dedicated to the survival of American democracy in an increasingly dangerous world, this is Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney, acted as Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy under President Ronald Reagan, founder of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C., the go-to man for defense and foreign policy issues, joined by the greatest minds in the security policy business, the special forces in the war of ideas at Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney. Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio. This is Frank Gaffney, your host and guide for what I think of as an intelligence briefing on the war for the free world. Intelligence happens to be an important topic for the program today. For that purpose, I'm always pleased to be able to tap the intelligence of, in every sense of the word of one of the most remarkable men I know. His name is Charles Sam Faddis. He's a regular here at Secure Freedom Radio, so regular that we've actually already had him on the show this week, but we've asked him to come back on for breaking news that we want to get his insights into. Uh, we've spoken about it before, but it really bears on both the state of American intelligence and vulnerabilities that are now present and yawning uh, that are being exploited by our most dangerous, our most mortal enemy, the Chinese Communist Party. Sam Faddis, welcome back to Secure Freedom Radio. Thank you for giving us a a double header this week. It's so appreciated. My privilege, Frank. Thank you. You've uh, been, of course, a clandestine intelligence officer for the Central Intelligence Agency, as well as uh, an American military officer, as well as uh, a deputy attorney general out in Washington state and a candidate for Congress and author and so much else. But I want to specifically tap into your experience in the business of recruiting and running spies. Because as we've learned in just the past few hours, thanks to Breitbart.com, a report by Matt Boyle, and uh, a conversation about the subject with Alex Marlowe, the editor-in-chief of Breitbart, that Tucker Carlson had last night, there is a report that the intelligence community has prepared a classified report about the nature of Eric Swalwell's sexual liaison with a Chinese communist spy by the name of Fang Fang. And when you look at what it portends that a not just a member of the House Intelligence Committee, but the chairman of its Intelligence Modernization and Readiness Subcommittee has been involved with a Chinese espionage operative. It has, I think, the most profound of implications. And I wanted to come back to you and talk through it all with you, and I appreciate you again taking the time to do that today. So, what do you make of this intelligence community report? Right. Well, what we're talking about is almost certainly what we would call in the trade a damage assessment. So, the fact that Swalwell, well, we don't know exactly what was established in regard to Swalwell, but just even confined to what the mainstream media feels fit to talk about that he had a, as you say, sexual liaison with a Chinese known Chinese intelligence officer, and more than that, that she was involved, frankly, in helping him get into Congress. That's what she was doing. 
uh, you would not just take Eric Swalwell's protestations that, uh, you know, this was some sort of youthful indiscretion. So sorry, it's all over now and I'll be a good boy. You wouldn't take that at face value. Obviously, that's not the way intelligence work um, is conducted. That's the starting point. And then you would do a complete thorough investigation of all of the circumstances surrounding their contact. And part of that would, of course, be information that is not known publicly that the intelligence community has on the broader issue of who was Fang Fang, who was she working for, what is the broader apparatus, what is Chinese method of operation in the United States. This would include information from our human sources and obviously from what we would call signals intercepts. So if we're reading their communications or things of that nature. So it would be a complete comprehensive picture uh, should be of the entire operation, because that's what this was. We should keep in mind Fang Fang was not doing this on her own. She was part of a team and working for both with a purpose. It would be as best a picture as we could get of that. And uh, it should it should be very thorough and very comprehensive. It also should, by the way, be, I've made reference to classified information, but given that we're talking about somebody else's operation and something that's already been in the press, it should be relatively easy to declassify. You could cut out the, the pieces that are going to give away some capability of ours and declassify this thing and clear the air very quickly, unless, unless of course, there's something very damaging to Mr. Swalwell you don't want out in the open. So there, there are several different pieces of this, Sam. Let's, let's drill down on them um, in sequence. You say that uh, there is a larger operation underway in which the recruitment of a rising star in the Democratic Party in San Francisco uh, – getting that individual advanced to the next level um, to become a member of Congress uh, was something that Fang Fang was evidently assigned to help accomplish. Uh, but again, it, it is just part of a larger op, as you'd call it, I guess, in the Bay Area. Talk a little bit about what that entailed. Well, what we know is that the Chinese have had a focus on that area in particular for a very long time with expressly this purpose. Um, you go out and recruit targets, uh, which is how they would be referred to by the Chinese, at relatively early stages in their careers, when they need money, when they need support, when they are vulnerable in that sense, because that's what recruiting people in intelligence business is all about. Uh, and obviously, the whole point is to recruit them, and then they become your asset. You didn't just talk to them. You didn't just help them for a little while. You formally recruited them, and they now provide you intelligence, and they may do all sorts of other things for you, um, impact policy for you. And having recruited them at this early stage, they then rise up through the system. Um, there's nothing new, by the way, about this in terms of spycraft and certainly nothing new in terms of uh, communist spycraft. I mean, this is how we ended up with, uh, you know, guys like Kim Philby and so forth back in the day in England, where a whole bunch of budding young, uh, at that point, really university guys were recruited by the Soviets and then moved up into the foreign service, the intelligence agencies of Britain. I mean, it was a disaster for the British and it was precisely this MO. Obviously, they saw, and to bring this back to Swalwell in particular, obviously what the Chinese saw was that uh, 
here was a guy who thought a lot of himself and uh, but didn't have the money, didn't have the support and obviously had some sort of weakness for the ladies. And therefore, Fang Fang got to be the the point man on this project. But as you suggested, this is this. Yeah, <laughs> this is a part of a broader, longstanding operation. Uh, particularly dedicated to it, it focused on that area. And uh, honestly, at this point, just because Swalwell has attracted some attention does not suggest at all that he's the only person to compromise. We ought to be looking. We ought to be looking at anything that came out of there. And, and to this point, at the accountabilityinitiative.org, um, Sam Faddis, uh, you and Trevor Loudon have contributed mightily to our understanding of this larger uh, play in uh, San Francisco among Democratic Party operatives and prospective candidates. Um, at, uh, at that website, people, you can find backgrounders on uh, individuals, uh, including Nancy Pelosi and the former chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Diane Feinstein and uh, Judy Chu. I mean, these are people that have also, we believe, been compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. And it may have something to do with Nancy Pelosi's determination to keep Eric Swalwell on the House Intelligence Committee, despite the obvious security risk that he represents. And and I wanted to ask you about something that you touched on in a previous conversation, Sam, especially in light of all of this information, this new report and so on. What are the chances, as you see it, that the Ministry of State Security might still be running Eric Swalwell, uh, albeit with a different handler and in a more discreet manner, of course. But he would be too valuable an asset, I would assume, to just cut loose if they thought that they could get away with continuing to have a relationship with him and uh, exploit his access to some of the most sensitive information in our country. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think they're pretty good. And, and certainly, we, since we have not been allowed to see the information uh, surrounding a damage assessment, you know, whatever this file is, then we can't properly evaluate them. This is a critical point. I know you and I have touched on it, but it doesn't. It get, seems to be completely missed in, in most of the coverage of this. Feng Feng uh, targets Swalwell, okay, not on her own, part of an operation, part of a team operating for a boss with supervisors and other people probably part of the operation, even if they weren't visible, even if she wasn't standing next to them saying, this is my team, because that's the whole point of being covert. When you recruit somebody, when you're all done with this process of suborning them, of, as I've said before, of pulling them down the rabbit hole, you then they are a recruited asset of the service, and they are now moved to what we would call clandestine handling. You don't see them in public anymore. You don't advertise their contact with the Chinese consulate or embassy or somebody else. Very much to the contrary. This is the stage where, as we've seen with Russian cases, where you're doing dead drops, dropping information in parks in the middle of the night. Or as we saw recently with a CIA officer who had been recruited by the same intel service of the Chinese, you're issued literally electronic covert communications here, in that case, a system they put on the guy's cell phone. Uh, you're met only out of country. It is meant to be invisible. And as an asset of Chinese Ministry of State Security, you don't work for Fang Fang. You work for them. And when Fang Fang leaves, 
or even prior to her leaving, they turn you over for handling to another officer. When he leaves the country, they turn you over to another one. And all of this is completely invisible and clandestine. So the fact that Fang Fang left the country has no relevance at all to the question of whether he's a spy. The fact that he doesn't wander around cocktail parties with Fang Fang's replacement tells us absolutely nothing. That all of that is completely consistent with the fact that the man could literally be sitting on the House Intelligence community and then every night communicating electronically to Beijing. And that, 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 that kind of stuff happens all over the world, every day, for real. Let, let me just hasten to add, Sam, we don't know that to be the case today. But you're saying, as a trained and highly experienced and decorated and accomplished clandestine services operator for the United States government, that it could happen. And if it doesn't happen, I guess I'd add, it, the Chinese will be missing a bet on a very um, long-term investment they made in this fellow. And why on earth the United States counterintelligence services, if there are such things anymore, uh, let alone somebody in the position of the Speaker of the House of Representatives, would not regard this as a high risk, even if it's not a certitude, even if it can't be proven. A high risk, an unacceptably high risk, is just uh, mind-boggling to me, I have to say. Yeah, it is mind-boggling. And you're absolutely right. I'm not saying that I know Eric Swalwell's a spy. I do not. What I do know is that, you know, almost everything that I have read in the press about his relationship with Fang Fang and so forth proves nothing in regard to him not being a spy. I mean, so he ran around with Fang Fang. She helped him. She slept with him. She apparently helped raise money for him. That's all consistent with what we've been talking about. I mean, these guys got him into Congress. A, a, a hostile intelligence service is at least partially responsible for him being in Congress. As you have said, having achieved their objective, they would not willingly break contact with him. They would then move that case to what we would call denied area handling. Very, very secure methods of communication out of sight. That's what spies do. So everything about this happened years ago, Fang Fang left the country, is irrelevant, as we've said. Okay, that doesn't prove anything. So he has a different Chinese handler, and he communicates in a different, secure, secret way. Again, that's espionage. So if he's not a spy, how about we declassify this report and show us how you determined that? You didn't just decide, yeah, he could be a spy, but let's put him on the House Intel Committee anyway. What could it hurt? which is kind of the way it feels right now. It does, and it, it seems ex extremely uh, derelict in terms of the responsibilities of the Speaker of the House. And I, I'm going to go out on a limb at this point, Sam, uh, in part thanks to what you've just said and what we've seen reported now by Breitbart and Tucker and so on. Uh, I think that Eric Swalwell is going to be forced off the House Intelligence Committee. The only question is when. And at what cost to Speaker Pelosi personally and her leadership and the Democratic caucus in the House of Representatives more generally? And this idea that they're going to just be able to continue to brazen this out as though there's no problem and the American people are too stupid to recognize that this is a problem and perhaps a deeply serious strategic problem at that is, uh, is something that I think we can't determine at this point, but my guess is that uh, it's going to happen and that it will happen uh, 
perhaps it costs not just to the Speaker and the Democrats in Congress, but also to the country if it takes longer rather than shorter time to accomplish. Sam Faddis, I thank you for your tremendous service to our country, both that you have rendered in the uniform of the United States Army, uh, without a uniform as an undercover operative for the CIA, um, in your various other incarnations, including not least what you are doing these days, which is absolutely terrific, and magazine.com, where I understand you will have a piece about Eric Swalwell appearing shortly. Is that right? It's uh, in final edit right now. should be momentarily. Fabulous. Okay. Well, we look forward to reading it there. Thank you for your time, my friend, today and for joining us again uh, for our second visit. And we'll talk with you again soon, I'm sure. In the meantime, stay very well. Next up, we'll speak with Dr. Matthew Spaulding about an important new contribution to our academic freedom by the wonderful folks at Hillsdale College. That and more. Straight ahead. Visit us at facebook.com slash securefreedom with Frank Gaffney.